Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the AEW Rampage and Battle of the Belts review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday's episodes of AEW Rampage and Battle of the But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Rampage and Battle of the but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2. Oh, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete. A quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Michael Sidgwick to review Rampage and Battle of the Belts. There's just not enough honour in wrestling, is there, Sidge? No, there isn't. Ultimately, both Rampage and Battle of the Belts are not prestigious brands, and neither edition of these shows made me feel like they were prestigious brands after the fact. There was some good action, some disappointing action, some nothing action, and that's ultimately all there was to it. I just was let down. I'm sick to death of bad finishes in wrestling. I miss the gravity. And the big like storyline thread was Pac has to resort to a hammer to win matches at this point. And as much as I quite like the first finish, they've taken it too far, the first finish at Grand Slam where he won the hammer, it's like it's good because the story is for two years, Pac has just been desperate to just put this little bastard, who's the antithesis of him, basically. Yeah, in his place. Yeah. It's a joke. He hates the joke. He's not in on the joke. He's desperate to just disprove the, the, the magic of Orange Cassidy. And I did like the wrinkle of he's kind of now selling him as a threat, and if he wasn't, he wouldn't have resorted to the hammer. That's quite fair. It's a nice beat. I don't need to see Pac beating Alex Reynolds, who's <laughs> good, but yeah. as a character. Think yeah. of it from a character POV. Alex Reynolds and Trent with a hammer because you don't need to protect everyone. You can still tell the story that Pac has to resort to something that's not his evidently superior wrestling ability and serious disposition to beat a clown like Orange Cassidy. I am not a goldfish. I can remember the finish of Grand Slam. I don't need to be. He's got a hammer. <laughs> and he can't win without the hammer. Can Orange Cassidy get rid of the hammer? He can be both things at once. He can be a heel who resorts to things 
um, desperate measures without sacrificing the real great core of the pack Orange Cassidy story, which is Slacker wrestling guy is up against possibly the most skilled in every discipline wrestler in the company, but I'm not getting the fact that he is the most skilled in every discipline wrestler of the company because he's just every other heel at this mm. point. So I think your enjoyment of both these shows will hinge on how much you're into the hammock thing, and I'm so past it at this point. Yeah, I, I don't want to... Can you not just use the hammer after the fact and go, you know, he's still got the hammer... Yes. Span the hanger from ringside. Yeah, he, he can beat Alex Reynolds just with a brutalizer. He's still a horrible bastard for just yeah. doing that to him, whether he's already unconscious or not. If he, you know, anyway. What I, annoys me as well, sorry, because I might forget this and it's on, uh, the t- it's on the top of my head. When the Young Bucks were being complete dicks, brilliantly, might I add, with their just scintillating matches and their goons like um, Callis and Brandon Cutler, when it was taken all too far, Tony Khan in his thankfully off-screen role as the actual general manager of AEW, said, right, enough's enough. You're ruining the sanctity of the tag team titles. You're relying on shortcuts. You're relying on interference. This needs to stop. We're affecting the integrity and the prestige of the championships. It's not fair. This is meant to be the sports emulation league. So what's going to happen is you're going to be trapped in a steel cage with the Lucha Brothers at All Out, and you have to do it yourselves. He intervened when all the cheating got too much and it just became carny and unfair and he needed to restore the spirit of competition in that division. If he's intervened before, for me, it's a massive plot hole that he'll refuse to do it now. Basically, what he needs to do is, right, we need the hammer. Otherwise, how do you know the match is finished? (laughs) Put it in a cage. You know? Yeah. Put a barrier around the ringkeeper, the timekeeper table. Just do something to prevent the, the cheating that you evidently have had a problem with, and you've not turned heel as a character, so be consistent. The fact that he isn't, it's just enabling carny bollocks, the likes of which used to be beneath AEW, but aren't anymore. Yeah, I, I don't want to uh, heap on the negativity here, but I, I think this was the moment where I realized if I didn't do this for a job, I don't think I would have watched Rampage even passively. Like, there was some great match, great action in here. Um, and I'm sure I'm going to echo your sentiment about the, wait, let me get this in the right order, opening match of Battle of the Bills, dot, 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 except for the finish. But yeah, I just was so passively watching this. And I had a busy weekend and what have you, so that may be you know, part of the explanation behind it. But not since the sort of real, real dark days of Monday Night Raw have I ever been so indifferent towards four championship matches yeah. in a two hour, effectively two-hour show. Too many titles, yeah, another problem. Yeah, um... Let's let's dive into it, and I'm sure we'll we'll pick we'll pick the bones here, um, because the show started with a really fun match. Um, it was um, the Blackpool Combat Club, uh, represented here by Moxley, uh, Claudio, and Wheeler Utah uh, against Roosh and Private Party, which is sort of LFI. Um, and obviously, there's oh god, I've just remembered what's coming later with the uh, something that I I watched, and you know it's, uh, some stuff I watch, and if it's spectacular, I think oh god, I can't wait to get into work. And, you know, for you to put it far better than I ever could, aside from just spelling out what happened and explain to me why it's even better sometimes. There's something that's going to help happen on this show that I was like, I'm going to have to ask, ask Sidge about that. And I'm going to look into his eyes and watch him die a little bit yep. inside. But we'll get to that anyway. Um, a key point to this, members of the firm watching ringside with no... 
involvement in it, uh, whatsoever after that. Um, okay, so we start off with uh, Quen and Castagnoli, and uh, Claudio Castagnoli is quite a good wrestler. Pass it on. Pass it on. Um, Quen uh, ca- countered a pop-up uppercut attempt with a shotgun drop of on which looked nice. Uh, Roosh only wants Moxley comes in. Let me get my hands on that guy. And Moxley's like, I'll fight anyone. Let's go. Uh, congratulations on the five-year contract as well. Yes, great more than, news, more great than deserved. I know I do the whole uh, Dean Ambrose uh, leaving as a work thing, but I didn't need the news reports that he never considered going back yeah. to WWE because I thought, yeah, even if it's the new, what is it, land of milk and honey uh, under Triple H, and regardless of how he's arguably trekked there before, because they can go, oh, well, this is different, he's... This is the, he's living his best life yeah. in AEW, and Renee might, might be showing up as well from from reports too. So, not exactly shocked by him committing his his uh, future to AEW for five more years. Um, so yeah, they, they get into it. Him and Roosh just battering each other, a bit of a stalemate with punches and kicks and what have you. Um, Moxley and Roosh brawl on the floor during the split screen break, and uh, Roosh whips Moxley with the extension cord because extension cords are his thing now, I suppose. Um, but the story of this match, again, is uh, Private Party. They're just not on the same wavelength as the rest of Andrade's guys now. Um, Quen hit Roosh with a uh, pump kick. He got X-plexed. Um, Castagnoli had, I think, Cassidy on his shoulders and was giant swinging Mark Quen, which is is something I would have booked, and you'd have gone, don't be ridiculous. Yeah, 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 but then yeah. you would might have gone, actually, it's Claudio, so he probably could pull something like off. Um, anyway... He breaks up a Ricola bomb, does Roosh uh, with a headbutt, and everyone just hits a load, uh, a huge parade of moves. Um, Castagnoli hits a shot on clothesline. Yuta hits a frog splash and gets a near fall. Moxie takes out Roosh with a plancher. Cassidy eats a pop-up uppercut and then uh, gets locked in a submission. Uh, sorry, Quen gets locked in the submission, and Yuta gets the, uh, gets the tap out for the victory for his team. Yeah, really enjoyed this. More fun than truly exhilarating. Not one of the best AEW trios matches, but at least this one was in the correct allotted time, which is more than I can say for that bloody main event. Um, <laughs> some of the action was really stellar. Um, the pop-up uppercut in particular was just so well sold, so well-timed, so well-delivered. And all in all, it was a nice, brisk, fun 10 minutes. Rusha's positioning was quite poor at certain points. This follows an only good match, so maybe the Rush prophecy of, I've got the money now, might be coming true, which is about unfortunate, because I've enjoyed Rush. I really have. Um, not so much this week. Um, but yeah, there's very little to say. Um, it was fun. Didn't really serve that grand purpose but it was just a nice 10 minutes and if anything the existence of this match and how you can get it right with a trios match in AEW really for me only detracted from the main event which we'll get to shortly indeed uh, then we got Tony Nese and Josh Woods versus the Varsity Blondes and I thought what are these losers doing here and I wasn't talking about the Varsity yeah. Blondes either and then they said on commentary they're like nine and one which you know dark and elevation exactly. Um, and yeah, they just they won it with it inside two minutes on Anderson, looking very disappointed in the back. Um, and they just finished Garrison off with the sort of Olympic slam swinging neck breaker double team here. I do like the look of Josh Woods. There's something about that yeah. boy. He's just dangerous. Um, I'll get your thoughts on everything because post-match, Sterling's there. He's selling the, the impact of what the acclaim did to him on Wednesday. Of course, he's limping around and he reveals... He's trademarked the term varsity because now Neeson Woods are the varsity athletes and the blondes can't use the word varsity. Otherwise, he's, he'll sue 
And then he starts going on about the acclaimed, and they come out to, to a huge peb, to be fair, uh, to chase them all out of the ring and, and save the ratings and a nice big uh, scissor uh, to, to, to get a bit of a reaction from this crowd. Yeah, I felt almost less than nothing for all of this. We were talking on the preview, me and Hamlet, about, right, okay, they're clearly trying to do something with Nice and Woods, but it doesn't really convinced because they've lost their two big yeah. televised matches. They can do whatever they like on Dark and Elevation. It obviously means nothing to me. It obviously means less than nothing to AEW other than this fake number, which increasingly means nothing because very few people watch Dark or Elevation. And even if these people didn't, AEW should at the very least, and I've campaigned for this for several mm-hmm. months now. They if did not it years, once, didn't they? They used to have a ticker tape of the results. That was not enough. It's a video package of, here is what's happening on Dark and Elevation. Here's a quick little video recap rundown, okay? Maybe Taz could voice it. Yeah, it Taz could voice it. Analysis. Technique by Taz. Yeah. So basically, it would be, it would add credibility to these, like, it's basically if the tree falls down in a forest, but no one is around to hear it, doesn't make a sound. That's the Dark and Elevation squash match win where you rack up wins so that it comes up with a neat little number where it's like, oh, they've won matches. You could add credibility to this and it, like, sort of plot out where you're going next on TV with, look, these are the guys who basically, they are, speech air quotes, doing well on dark, which is called for, they're going to be in a title match on TV soon. Add credibility to this by showing highlights on Dynamite so that it doesn't arrive as this weird, huh? Shock <laughs> when you run an angle like this because they've lost the two matches that the most people have seen on TV. Um, so this is just quite annoying. And I also got annoyed by the glimpse of Arn Anderson sort of despairing at the, the fate of Varsity Blondes because I think what's going to happen is that there's going to be some kind of storyline where whatever the new name of the team is is going to be coached by Arn Anderson to do something better. With all due respect, they were quite decent during the pandemic, Pillman Jr. and Garrison. Garrison in particular, I thought, had something. They've been absolutely jobified, which is fine because it's now canon that they've been jobified. Arn Anderson is despairing that they've been jobified, but their actual performance level dipped as well as the characters sort of were treated without any sort of conviction or seriousness. So not only is it going to be a hard sell, the idea that Arn's going to coach them up, if I'm Tony Khan, with all that talent, and I'm not saying that they should fire the Varsity Blondes because that's cruel. If it comes to the end of their contracts and they're not doing anything and they're not over, that's a different conversation. I'm not in any way campaigning for them all to right. be fired. I am, however, campaigning for the resources that Tony Khan has, and they are so rich, to be better applied elsewhere. I wouldn't waste the time on Varsity Blondes right now when Miro's doing nothing. Mm. Yeah, it's a good point. Like Miro is doing nothing. And yes, they might do something with Wardlow and pick up on the hint that they dropped not too long ago. But if it's not Miro, it's someone else. Ultimately, I don't need to see the Varsity Blondes comeback story. I don't think it's compelling. I think it's a hard sell. And I think that it's just yet another development that I just can't imagine possibly showing any interest in. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't think anyone's going to be like, oh no, they've lost the word varsity. I was like, uh, meh. Yeah, no, who cares? Yeah, exactly. Uh, then it was time for uh, Tay Mello and uh, Anna JAS versus Madison Rain and Sky Blue. Uh, Rain and, and, and uh, Jay start, start out 
battering each other in the ring, and uh, Rain gets a near fall with a Northern Knights suplex. Mello hits a stuffed pile driver on Blue. Rain hits a crucifix bomb on Mello, um, and uh, Jay takes out Rain. Uh, she tries to pick up just Jay Blue with a Casadora and hold her in position for a, a charging knee from uh, Tay, uh, but they fall down and Mello. We're gonna do it anyway. Uh, Jay puts Blue in the Queen Slayer for the submission. I've said this before, so maybe it's a bit um, of a bit of plagiarization of the self. But it's always quite telling when we do the Rampage reviews on a Monday and I've watched it on a Saturday morning or a Saturday night and you don't have that, oh, just watch that, so it's fresh in my head to pour over. Mm. I can remember very little about this match. It wasn't heated and it's like it almost didn't exist and that says a lot about the impression emotionally that this left on me. Um, I just think he needed on his spreadsheet, who hasn't had a match in ages that we kind of like? Oh, Mellow and um, Anna Jay. Do a match, doesn't really do much for me. Elevation to you. Yeah, it, I don't think it helped either that the finish did clearly didn't quite go to plan. And oh, yeah. It wasn't actively bad throughout, but the finish wasn't good. Exactly. Uh, we got promo from uh, Swerve saying he's going to hurt Billy Gunn in their match next week on Dynamite. We'll obviously preview that on the Dynamite preview later on this week. And then rather rapidly, like you say, I, I was looking at the uh, looking at the clock, and suddenly they're there and they're doing the split to me. I was like, "Ready?" I know. Um, but yeah, it was very early on. We uh, we go to the the back and forth and the whole. Well, looks like we've had enough. It's time for the main event. Thanks to the person, I've forgotten who it was on Twitter, who said the sort of slow version of Whole World in His Hands from Bray Wyatt reminded them of the Mark Henry button. Reminded me of the semi-main event as well. <laughs> it was it was a death triangle defend, defending the trio's champ, uh, championships against 10 Silver and Reynolds of the Dark Order, obviously with the whole uh, Brody Lee uh, last match thing hanging over it. And they were given a lot of time here, over 20 minutes um, and they uh, they kept reminding us that obviously Pac is going to open um, Battle Riot, so he's doing back-to-back matches, uh, and that gave Chris Jericho, who, tell me if I'm wrong here, despite the fact he is the Ocho, the Ocho. might be a bit of a baddie. I wrote this down. I think it might have been in a picture-in-picture picture because uh, Regal's obviously there on commentary as well, and they're doing the old back-and-forth. And Jericho... It's not like you to say something funny, Chris. <laughs> I did pop at that. Jericho called Newcastle, I thought I'd like get your reaction on this, better than li- uh, better than Blackpool, but still miserable. <laughs> the thing about Chris Jericho is that famously he took a tour. He did. <laughs> he of, did. Of one of the nicest bits of Newcastle, of which there are several. Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful city, bustling environment, some of the nicest sights you will see in all of the UK, particularly on that Keyside area, which Chris Jericho would know had he not <laughs> decided to gimmick his walking tour of Newcastle by literally going to one pub and a bridge which are 10 feet away from each other. Moonwalking tour. <laughs> Just... You would know? <laughs> I know he's only saying it for heat. I know. But i got to say, I would have moved almost anywhere for this job. 
I, I love what I do, and I was very excited to come here regardless. But the fact it was in Newcastle, I was like, get in! Jack Patty. Yeah. So, hey, he's up on the... Oosburn's beautiful. The Quayside's beautiful. Got a really... Uh, Gray Street on Dean Street. Oh, Saltwell Park. What a lovely, lo- lovely way to spend a su- Sunday morning. Oh, absolutely. Some damn respect on the like Northeast Dean Street name. and Gray Street, the architecture. Also, sorry, I've St. James's I, Park, I, City Stadium. I'm going full Jeff Stelling here when he had to rant about, I think, Middlesbrough back in the day on Soccer Saturday. Well, that's probably right about that. Yeah, but... Um, I, it winds me up because I'm from I'm I'm from sort of up north a bit Chesterfield from the Midlands yeah but, it, but about everyone else I know is from the south yeah and so they're like oh you're you're northern all right and I was like well so, yes and no as a cashier in which case yes I am yeah yeah, yeah. um but I, I lived for a long time in Birmingham and the people from Birmingham by the way who turn their nose up oh the northeast and I'm like. First of all, the weather's no different here. It might be a bit windier, but they seem to act like it's in, up north in uh, Game of Thrones. Like, oh, you have to go to the wall. Is it just constantly snowing there? You have to fight off attacks from Scotland. You know, Scottish trying to come over the border sometimes. But, you know, mainly no. And I'm like, pisses it down in Manchester. And you're like, oh, Manchester. Put some fucking respect on the northeast. I've yes. had it there. Anyway. Please do. Um, and a representative of ours was there as in this match, as I say, Pat Penter and Ray Phoenix versus Dark Order. And uh, yes, oh, and Jericho as well, of course, with Pat working twice. Got to get some references about The Rock and uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Tony Schiavone. Uh, like, I like the ongoing little mm, between the two of them. Like he was bossing him about like later, wasn't he? He was like, Tony, come with me. We're going to have to have some words backstage yeah. with, uh, with 2.0. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm working twice on a night. Oh, I've got to remember this feeling. Uh, Tony, just quickly. Did you cheat, though? <laughs> oh, you bugger. Anyway, um, 10 uh, gets Phoenix, uh, Phoenix up even at one point for a vertical suplex. And the crowd chants to 10. And uh, Reynolds got a near fall after a springing elbow off the ropes. Um, as we went to picture in picture, <laughs> Pack and the rest of the Death Triangle murdered Alex Reynolds for about five minutes. Um even uh, he sends Reynolds out to the floor, does pack and hits him with a horrible looking snap suplex. Like it sucked. Um, Reynolds finally gets back in, jumping stomp to pack's back. He gets 10 to come in. 10 runs wild, knocks both of the Lucha Bros down with a double clothesline. Blue Thunderbomb on Pentas, Spinebuster on Phoenix. Goes for a full Nelson on Phoenix, but pack and Penta have to come in and break it up and triple super kick him. The crowd really get behind him, though. Uh, reverses a suplex uh, from Phoenix, does 10, brings in John Silver. They uh, go for the pendulum bomb on Phoenix. Phoenix counters it once, and then they got it on the second try. Gets a nice near fall off that. Um, Silver and Reynolds hit their finisher on Penta. 10 hit the discus lariat on him. And uh, right at the last seconds, it looks like maybe the titles could change hands. Pack and Phoenix dive in to break up the fall. And then out comes Jose, the assistant, who's got, I've got a contract for you, 10. Um, that distracts him and Silver. Roosh comes out of the crowd, gives Pack the bell hammer, and, um, yeah, twats Alex Reynolds in the corner with it, and puts him in the brutalizer, but he's already gone conscious prior to the submission. Oh, boy, this match, right. I would, oh, I'm going to be a little bit generous. I would possibly describe this as a noble failure. The idea is that you want people to think of the trios titles, the AEW trios titles, as a massive deal 
Um, people have waited ages for them. People have fantasy booked them into existence for two and a half years. Mm. They're finally here, but the elite got suspended because Kenny Omega saved a goddamn dog. Where's the, <laughs> where's the justice in the God. world? Where's the justice in the world for that? So the idea is, right, okay, well, they're knackered. We need the elite. We kind of needed the elite star power to launch these, and it doesn't feel like Death Triangle are real champions because they got beat in the tournament. So I think they're trying to um, overcorrect via noble failure and try and sort of do a shortcut to prestige to make these titles mean something. And at the same time, you've got acts that you want to one day convince the crowd can viably contend for these titles. Hence, why. Alex Reynolds was hit in the face with the, be- with, the be- with the bell hammer. So I kind of understand they did that because they want you to think that these titles are going to be competitive and there are lots of different units that can challenge for them. And if only you didn't get a bloody hammer at the face, it might have been the dark order. So that's one thing. I understand why they did it in isolation. I understand why this went 20 minutes. You wanted to think that it's going to hit the heights of the best matches in the tournament. And a long match is conflated with a great match all too many times by everyone in the pro wrestling fandom, and it pisses me off. Um, but I understand there's a, there's a certain prestige attached to a long match, and they're trying to milk that for the purposes of getting a lot of different things over at once when so much of this is under because of CM Punk. Dickhead. <laughs> none of this worked. Absolutely none of this worked. There's a weird sensation, right, where if you're a UK fan watching... Close to live on fight. This might not mean anything to Americans, but I honestly don't think this match would have been particularly great if you were watching it, having not been tired in America. There's a sensation where if you're sort of bleary-eyed in the morning and you're watching Dynamite and or Rampage, and if you miss Excalibur saying, oh, 90 seconds, we can watch it picture mm. in picture. If you just miss that call and you think to yourself, I'll just slow down to a halt. All oh, right, they're in picture and picture, and then they do the and um, the big, and you're watching it full screen, so it's not as if you've got the clue of an advert happening next to it, and then it peels back to a wide shot, and then you have Excalibur saying, "Joining us during the break." Is that right? Okay, I can switch my head back on because things in the ring are actually mattering now. Do you know um, what the cheat code is? I've got for that, by the way. You don't even have fast to forward. I might as well start well, doing. Yeah, it. but that's what I do in in certain matches because. It's not only the way they shoot it, it's exactly the same, like you say, of the, the zoom back yeah. in. Hashtag top right hand corner, disappears when they go to ad break, comes back and when they're coming back. Press. So I just go, I'm going to start doing that now. Because 99.9 times out of 100, nothing even vaguely interesting happens. I try to watch. And if it does. So I want to be the guy who documents AEW. Mm, yeah. Better or worse. What a unique wrote a book about it. Exactly. It's called uh, Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW. 120,000 passionate and insightful words all about the formation and indeed rise of All Elite Wrestling. Available to purchase on Amazon, wherever you live. I want to watch every second of Not Darker Elevation, but the TV and the pay-per-views, <laughs> the things that really matter. Because even if I might get pelters on Twitter for burying it because people are protective over it, I just want to document it and chronicle it accurately from day one. What a mm. unique opportunity that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah as a wrestling fan, but whatever, as a critic or whatever. I'm watching this match, and I'm not joking. I'm thinking they've been in picture-in-picture for 12 minutes. (laughs) It's such a slow, dull, quiet, heat-bereft, nothing-happening match, and it doesn't help as well that Mark Quinn did an absolutely spectacular spot in the first match Mm. in in picture-in-picture, 
So you're thinking, is it just some kind of communication snafu with the production where you think, do they know that they're not in picture-in-picture? Picture? <laughs> Back that on, guys. Is that why it's so slow? Did they just not know? Are they just working a really dull and bad match? That's really boring. Ultimately, the only real thing I got out of this match, because it didn't even explode into life in the last five minutes, Pac and John Silver working a time-limit draw where in, a, in the old version of AEW where the time limit used to mean something would be spectacular. It was so urgent. It was so crisp. It was so dynamic and fast and breathless. Their exchange was the absolute pinnacle of this match, which otherwise I just found really quite criminally boring. Mm, yeah, and I just... And this will be a feature we're about to move on to. Uh, at, at least the match we're just about to talk about was like this scintillating match. And then you go, and I'm going to sit here and go... What a great match until the finish. This is why this is why I got so bored of WWE, man. Yeah. And it's happening here and I hate it. I really do. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, switching gears now uh, to Bell Bells. <laughs> um, Dickhead. Because uh, they, they, you know, it, it's... It, Rolls on, but it doesn't roll on, but it does roll on, basically. It now becomes Battle of the Belts. Um, and, yeah, they've barely just gone, get the, get the dark hole out of this ring before Tremberetta comes out to face pack for the old Atlantic Championship. And I don't know whether there was words had between the two of them or, you know, Pac's got in his ear and gone, this crowd's uh, not asked, so let's wake them up. Because, yeah, um, considering... I mean, this match was shorter. Obviously, it's like 15 minutes, something like that. But, uh, yeah, it was. I was a lot more disappointed when it came to, oh, you've cheated again on this one than in the other one where I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> I think. Uh, I care, obviously, you know, for the whole the, the anniversary Brody Lee stuff. But I was like, that's the only reason why I think that there's even the slightest glimmer that uh, that the title may change hands. And, and you know, we talk, we'll talk more about, you know, too many bloody titles in in AEW. Um, but I went from being like, well, maybe you'll win it because it's the All-Atlantic. So, uh, But then I was like, well, it's Trent. So to suddenly like, 
oh, where's this come from? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Beretta hits Pat with a plancher to the outside and slams him on the floor, and he comes back and hits a drop kick, and he uh, goes up top, then Pat catches him up there and hits a top rope superplex, and Beretta's selling his neck, of course. Um, speaking of selling your neck... Pac's special move recently appears to be looking like he's died from a tornado DDT. It looks grotesque in the most beautiful way possible. It was it was it Cassidy did that with as well. Yeah. And the pay. It's unbelievable what this man can do with his body. Yeah. It inspires terror or makes a baby faces look like a million bucks. Oh, hang on, sorry. <laughs> That wouldn't have been the one button we want to press. Oh, my God. Yeah, really, really great stuff, this. Uh, he also got turned inside out with a clothesline from Brett following that. Um, selling, his, selling his neck, uh, his Brett throughout this, but uh, gets a near fall out of the, at the corner with him when he hits him with a pile driver. They fight on the ramp. Beretta sets up for a suplex. Pat counters it. Doesn't do it on the ramp, though. Does it off the ramp through a table. I think Pat got a little bit busted open here as well. Yeah, they should have moved the table a bit. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I was like, pretty uh, pretty close there, lads. Yeah. No? Okay, just go for it. Um, Excalibur covered for brilliantly, yes. as he is one to do. Uh, Pat chucks him back in the ring, goes for the black arrow. Beretta gets his knees up. Beretta goes for a spear, but Pat gets his knee in his face this time. Beretta gets a small package, and he gets a two count. Um, Pat hits a back elbow and goes up top, and then Beretta crotches him and... Hits Pat with an avalanche half-and-half half suplex from the top for another two-count. Uh, he sets up for his finisher. Pat counters that with a brutalizer, but Brett trashes and crawls and gets himself to the ropes, and we get a fight, fight forever chance. Uh, and Pat seems to see that as go home because he just goes to the outside, grabs the ring bell hammer. Um, glad to see they really tighten up on the referees. Looking at cheating here. Um, because he su- Brett suplexes, or tries to suplex Pat back into the ring. Uh, the referee goes, what's that over there? Um, and he just nails in between the eyes with the hammer and gets the pinfall does pack and retains the All-Atlantic title. Yeah, Tony Khan's made a massive rod for his own back with those series of tweets. Jesus Christ, because everyone's just going to throw it in his face whenever yeah. you see bollocks like this. And I understand it's all going to let it play out when Cassidy wins the title. And oh, you, you complain about the pop he got. Yeah, I can complain because it was bad on the way there. Ends don't always justify the means. You talked about this with Triple H before. Yeah, absolutely. Like doing something bad just to deliver something good. It could just be good all along. It goddamn used to be. This match was fantastic. Pac is so incredible at making baby faces look good that, look, I know that trend's really popular, particularly now that the AW original versus XWWE guy narrative has really taken hold across the wrestling fandom, within the AEW fandom, and apparently within the locker room. Yeah. I'm not denying Trent's popularity by half. What I'm saying is that Pac ended such a sublime heel performance that when Trent in this match was so well-paced and built and crafted that when Trent got his feet to the ropes and broke the brutalizer, like, again, I don't want to underplay that people really like Trent, but it's not as if they really wanted him to win this title. No. I think the match was simply so well worked, and Pack and Trent did such a fantastic job that the idea that there was more of it was more um, calls for the crowd to come up than the idea of Trent winning. You know mm. what I mean? It yeah, felt yeah, like yeah, an encore. Yeah. It felt like an encore. That bit. Well, like packs kind of like dangled upside down on the ropes, then in one smooth, seamless mo- uh, motion, Trent 
yanks him, yeets him off the turnbuckle, <laughs> and then there's a pile driver. How have they done that? How does Pac do these things with his body? I'm my mind was blown at points watching this match, mm. and then they do that finish. I understand why they did this finish. And it's one of those where you can always argue in context why these things happen. Chris Jericho is a sports entertainer. At some point, he's going to get out-wrestled with no interference, and it's going to be great because the honor has been restored to Ring of Honor. I know what they're doing. Yes, Pac's done double duty. The fatigue made him cheat as much as anything else. Of course he's going to cheat because he's worked 40 minutes on the bounce. You can justify everything in isolation, but if you have to do every finish like this, it's just redundant, and I just don't feel like the heel, ah, oh, piss off you heel for doing this. It's just it's the heat's on the booker for booking too much of this. I saw your tweet before I actually watched this show about this, saying, oh, it was so good until the finish. And so I was watching this going, well, they've already done the hammer gimmick, so what annoying finishing? And they just did it again. Yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. just like, oh, cool, that's my entire investment on this entire show gone. Yeah. Uh, but we got the return of Orange Cassidy, who came out to uh, to make the save and chased Pack off, Pack off, and that obviously sets up uh, a match on Dynamite. Yeah, this week. Yeah, uh, great to see Cassidy back. Yeah, it's great, and the perfect foil, like you say, for uh, for Pack. Yes, he has to win though. Mm. He absolutely has to win. Uh, I know something you you actually liked happened next because yeah, oh, Jericho so grabbed, phenomenal. grabbed Tony. This is what him, I watch AW for. Pulled him backstage uh, midway through this match, so we need to set this up and we'll talk. Uh, and there's Jericho and there's uh, Daddy Magic and Cool Hand Ange, uh, and they're talking about Daniel Garcia. It's time for him to come home to the JAS. Uh, I'll do this in a weird way because I, I don't want to trample on your bit. So he says, "Come on home." Uh, Daniel Garcia, and then he subsequently says, I'm bringing back the Lionheart gimmick from a match with Danielson in Toronto on Wednesday. What happened in the middle, Sige? So they're discussing Jericho, Daddy Magic, and Cool Hand Ange, their relationship with Daniel Garcia. And Chris Jericho, <laughs> whose character is that of a complete egomaniac, so much so that he will deny reality and leap to the completely wrong conclusion to protect his ego. This is the sort of person, sorry, because I want to trample on your, your punchline here. This is the sort of person who I would believe in storyline would use MS Paint to cover up his uh, receding hairline. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so he's confronted with a, an analogy. And he's found the perfect one, but it bruises his ego to say it. <laughs> so he says the complete opposite of the obvious analogy and it's so funny because it just gets over how arrogant he is. So, there's Chris Jericho, who is, I think, significantly older than Cool Hand, Ange, and Daddy Magic, of which there are two. Mm -hmm. So, in describing their relationship with Daniel Garcia, but at the same time seeking to protect his skyscraper of an ego, says, yeah, 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 I'm like your older brother, and they're like your two dads. <laughs> we know the obvious analogy is, yeah. I'm like your dad, and these are like your older brothers, and you're treating us like this. And even, I think, 2.0, we're like, hang on, is that the right way around? <laughs> but it has to be because the ego's so big. Yeah. Unbelievable pattern from Jericho. He is phenomenal. Yeah, fantastic work. Uh, and there was a pre-tape promo of Claudio saying uh, he's looking forward to seeing whoever, or fighting whoever wins or the Ring of Honor title match in Toronto next week. Spoiler, it's probably going to be Chris Jericho. Yeah. 
Um, and then they had Ricky Starks join commentary for the rest of the show, which was a, which was a pleasant surprise. And uh, we had the TBS Championship match. It was Jay Cargill versus Willow Nightingale. I've just remembered what happened after this match. Oh, for fuck. I'm going to have to ask you about that as well. So, Nightingale, this is a different version of her than the one that's fought Jay Cargill before. She's matching her in the power stakes, and she's got that confidence finally behind her. Uh, and it's Willow Nightingale. If you don't get behind her, I don't know what to tell you. I don't trust people who don't like her. Yeah, it's... It, she's Inhuman. Just, yeah. I saw her for... Literally, I, I was like, if you'd have said to me at the start of the, the WrestleMania weekend, who's Willow Nightingale? For my sins, I'd have gone, who? I huh? did, didn't know a lot about her. And then literally at the Ring of Honor show, they go, here's a little video package. You know, a lot of time it's just like, hello, my name's Steve. And I'm fine for the title later. And you're like, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I know him because I watched this show. And others are like, who? I who? don't know. I watched that and went, yeah, love you. Yeah. Don't care who you are, I want you to win. And that's what Willow Nightingale just exudes within uh, AEW. Uh, she hit a shotgun dropkick in the corner and caught Cargill with a suplex. And Jay Cargill does well selling the whole, oh, boy, I'm in a bit of bloody trouble here because she thinks yeah. oh, I've just got your number, so no problem. Nightingale takes out all the baddies with a crossbody through the ropes and Jade sort of looks going, right, that's my insurance policy gone. Um, she, uh, charged, uh, she charged her on the floor but Cargill picked her up uh, and sent her face first into the ring stairs. Nightingale hits a uh, um, cannonball in the corner and a shotgun, shotgun dropkick off the middle rope for a nice near fall. Nightingale pulls down her straps. JR inexplicably starts talking. I know not inexplicably, but starts talking about Jerry Lawler. Goes straight on the match, Jim. Um, and uh, she, Nightingale goes for a head scissors, but Cargill counters that into a tilt wheel slam, hits Jaded, and gets the victory. Yeah, it felt a bit... Felt, sorry, a bit anticlimactic for me. Yeah. It's the kind of story you should probably tell when you want to make the spirited underdog. Oh, my God, she's got my number. Actually, no, I, I've got hers. <laughs> that was easy. Even without the help. So, yeah, it was a weird story that felt ill-timed, wasteful even, um, particularly when there's so much support behind Willow, Nightga Willow Nightingale. And ultimately, the match quality, while decent and over, which is the main thing, they really got so badly lost when I think they were going for um, a tilt-a-whirl reversal mm. into a something. And, like, Jade stuck her arms out as if to say, this is the spot we're going for. And Willow Nightingale kind of stood still and was like, no, it isn't, not yet, or whatever. And it was just, I'm kind to a botch. Because God knows I can waffle. God knows I can mispronounce words. God knows I can make spelling mistakes. God knows some of my sentences are just paragraphs. But if it takes you out of the action, ugh, and it did. And uh, and then what happened afterwards? So I, I, I for 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 a, a, an excuse me, I was like, oh, this is one of the few times that I was like, great, you're here because I think she's going to come out, Vicky Guerrero, and she's going to go. That's not what you said you were going to fight. And it's, you know, I'm sure there's, there's legitimate reasons why that match didn't happen. Injury, illness, whatever it may be. Doesn't matter, let's be honest. Vicky Guerrero has the ability now to come out and go, congratulations on your win, Jade, but that's not what you say you'd face next. You'd face this woman. Out comes Nyla Rose. And Jade Cargill can actually be like, oh, I know I've beaten you before, but crap, you're really good. What actually happens is she does the excuse me, and Nyla Rose grabs the TBS championship belt and scarpers off with it, and I think, oh, what? Look, I'm going to be honest with you. 
this was a really well executed version of something I hate. Mm. Belt theft is always right. You're not the champion. <laughs> yeah, like it, you just you're not the champion. It might annoy the heel, but it kind of annoy or the champion, but it kind of annoys me just as much. I just don't like it as a gimmick, particularly when Jade's a heel. It's something I don't like. The fact that she looked so like scared of doing it, and so happy and lucky. <laughs> And bowled over a bit of the environment to get there. If you're going to do a smash and grab, which this was, sell it like this. Mm. Great performance of a terrible trope. But this was, yeah, I felt, I felt like for me, a trifecta of things coming now um, after this match where I thought, oh, I've got to uh, Sidge and say, and turn to him with a straight face and say, what do you, you know, analyze this, Sidge? Because next, Ethan Page and Stokely Hathaway are there and Matt Hardy's there and they're talking about contract tampering and they've got footage and a private party and Hardy wants them. Uh, what, why? Uh, and, uh, and then they go, oh, we've got this footage of you doing the contract tampering and I'm going to delete you. And I think, oh, I, don't, I don't care. I don't care about anything related to Matt Hardy. I Don't make me hate things already with the firm. Yeah, no, I hate the firm already, which is absolutely suboptimal considering I think they are going to play an increasing part in the Mox versus MGF story. And the heat's already gone because the introduction of the act was pretty shoddy and they're already being lowered to the Matt Hardy level. Um, Don't care about anything to do with Matt Hardy. And ultimately, the gags aimed at AEW, which Tony Khan has talked about, as a mandate from Warner, you're a challenger brand. You need to be this like disruptive, irritant, because um, it puts you in the same conversation as WWE. In my opinion, we're long past that. Mm. I love the digs. I love the digs at WWE's expense. Now, when AEW is nowhere near its creative prime, it just feels like a self-own. Don't take the piss when your house isn't in order. Yeah. I still think WWE's worth taking the piss out of. Yeah. Like, contract tampering stuff was just below the belt. Dickhead stuff, detestable. Um, but if your house isn't in order, don't go and try and take the piss out of the other promotion because it just scans as. It used to feel like this cute little, you know, when you celebrate in the away end, and it's like that is good patter. Yeah. That's like the Adabayo when AEW used to do that when they were on fire. Great, funny. <laughs> yeah. But now that. There's so much of what AEW does that can be taken the piss out of in itself. It just, the gag doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, and then we had another thing I wasn't a huge fan of, which was uh, Lexi Nair tries to interview Hook. She says, oh, you got given an envelope by the Trustbusters and gun to my head. I completely forgot that even <laughs> happened. Can you remember the preview before that rampage, by the way? When I was saying, I'm so sick of Hook versus the Geeks. We've had Hook versus Smart Box Sterling. And we've had Hook versus 2.0. And I love 2.0. And yeah. I thought that was a nice bit of undercard business. But I'm done with Hook yeah, versus yeah, yeah. the Geeks. And I think my exact words were, oh, at least there's no Geeks left. He's done the Geek cycle. He can't really... He's done Fuego del Sol and Sir Pentaco. Oh, he's had Hook pummels the Geeks and it's cathartic and it's a nice way... It's a nice use of five minutes on the undercard. But great, there's no Geeks left. So what can Hook really do? Ah. Oh, there's more geeks. I just forgot about them because Tony Khan cared about them for two weeks, dared insinuate that they could win the trios tournament, and then forgot about them and dropped them dead. Who cares about the Trustbusters? Hook's so cold. And who cares? Like, I like the fact that Lexi Nair, you know, she doesn't know. This is not on her. This is where she was, you know, told to to do it. 
But she's like, oh, we're here. And he's, he's got the envelope. What will, what's it say? And he rips it off. She's like, no! It's like, it's not the winning lottery ticket. And also, he ripped it like twice. If you're that bothered, just open it up and piece it together. Yeah, no. I just thought, what? And like you say, I just huh? went, <laughs> I just, just like, right, what's next? Um, they announced that, yeah, Orange Cassidy will defend the, uh, uh, what, no? Orange Cassidy will fight for the All-Atlantic title against Pac on Dynamite on Wednesday. And Hikaru Shida and Tony Storm cut a promo for their match with Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter on Wednesday. Yet more Jamie Hayter, more tags. I don't like the fact that tags happen that often when there is no title to contend for, but this makes storyline sense, gets Hayter in the ring, and look at this point, if they're not going to do more than one women's match, this is a better vehicle to advance more than one story. Yes. Small steps that I don't really trust yet, but maybe I'm starting to. Yeah, there's a bit of me that's like, they had two women's matches in two hours. You're telling me there's a chance. Yeah. Granted, they were on two different shows. That doesn't, we're not giving you that. That doesn't count. But yes, baby steps, like you say. Uh, then it was time for the main event ROH tag team titles on the line FTR versus the Gates of Agony. Love that name so much. Uh, shout out to Bobby Cruz for wearing a neck brace, a hilarious looking neck brace, obviously, to sell what happened with him and Jericho. Um, you can probably, if you had to take a guess, what did you think? What do you think I thought of the gun club cosplaying as FTR? Just when I think you couldn't be more stupid. You go and redeem yourself. Exactly. Great this. A wig, a wig and a skull cap. The most basic, like, party shop stuff. But, yeah, I want to see them get their heads kicked in by FTR. I love this. I love that little... Accompaniment to the action. Uh, and the Gates of Agony, yeah, looked like a legitimate threat to FTR in this match because look at the size of them. What is it? Khan and Toa Leona. I've already yeah. butchered the pronunciations. And Toa's obviously... got more about him. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, Toa was the... Khan's the, like, jacked one, isn't he? And Toa's the immovable object. Yeah, as yeah, was... yeah. And obviously we've got Prince Nana, who's hugely over in the Watkins Oh, he's office. the best. Um, Wheeler and uh, Leono fought on the floor, sends uh, Wheeler into the barricade, uh, and then Leona charges him with a cannonball, and Wheeler ducks. And it just, I mean, it kills like the front three rows, basically. Harwood gets the tag and t- comes in, um, takes the fight to Khan. Leona hits Harwood with a body block and a Samoan drop, and they go for that whole thumb to the Samoan, uh, Tongan strike, I think they called it here. But Wheeler comes in to break it up, comes off the middle rope with a drop kick. Um, into Harwood to take down Leona. FTR hit a uh, double-team hanging DDT, which gets a nice pop from a quite tired crowd at that point. Uh, FTR hit Khan with the uh, spike dri- pile driver for a near fall, and then they're going for the big rig, and <laughs> they have to go for it about three times because the first couple, uh, to Leona, just look at the size yeah. of him. If he, isn't, if he doesn't want to go up, shoot then he, he ain't going up, basically. Uh, but they managed to catch him because uh, Leona no, you know, fights out of it a couple of times and then charges at Harwood, and Harwood's like, cool, that's the momentum that I need, gets him up, big rig. Uh, Prince Nana gets up on the apron, and then uh, Harwood sends Khan into, into Nana and uh, catches him with a backslide for the one, two, three. And then immediately the result doesn't matter because Gates of Agony just pops straight up and go, oh, no, kick the crap out of FTR. Uh, Brian Cage runs down to, to help them attack them, and it's the numbers game. Wardlow, Wardlow runs out to help them, but his numbers game catches up to him. 
And then Samoa Joe comes out to even the odds, takes out Cage with right right hands, clotheslines him over the top rope. And uh, yeah, uh, Ward Joe save FTR and the four stand tall to close the show. Yeah, this is fine. This is fun. FTR did a nice uh, job with a very green act who nonetheless show promise. Um, yeah, it was it was fine. But uh, yeah, I just had expectations for this brand, and it's just not happened at all. If you were to tell me when this launched, two hours, Saturday, great. It's going to resolve the kind of those slow weeks that are a little bit too slow. The only real flaw in the quarterly pay-per-view cycle. Great, that's been resolved. This company can do no wrong. Let's go. Can't wait. If I thought this was going to be the level of action to anticipate... It's just not what was advertised in the brochure. Fun as it was, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I just yeah, I can't go. In fact, I wrote down, I was making my notes to this, and I was like, one, two, but yeah, four championship matches. And the championships mean nothing to me. Well, most of them. Yeah. Let us know your thoughts on uh, Rampage on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Oh, watch there. You can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at um, Sidgwick. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, we'll, of course, be previewing the big Dynamite into first show in Canada. Yes, and indeed, they are calling it their first ever international show. Ah. I call bollocks. <laughs> they held one in Bermuda. Yeah. Technically. Um, you can, uh, yeah, let us know your thoughts on all that. As I said, at What Culture WWE and What Culture Wrestling will be our, where you can find our preview of Dynamite later on this week. Uh, right now, you can go and check out our Extreme Rules review. And later on today, we'll be coming your way with a preview of Monday Night Raw. But for now, this has been the Rampage Bill Bill. Review, my thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.